So we are going into week 37 of our daily Bible readings. We've been going through a program called Mission 119, which is a five-day-a-week Bible reading program. And there's an app for iPhone, and it's, it's a website, mission119.org. And every day there's a 10-minute reading from Scripture and then a 10-minute commentary. And it's been really uh, enlightening and really fascinating. And uh, I've grown so much from going through it. Many of you have as well. And I just encourage you to jump in. Uh, we're, we're in Second Samuel now. But I really encourage you, as strongly as I can, to jump in. Uh, this will be the single best thing you commit to do uh, in your spiritual life, I'm convinced. When you get into the scriptures, the words inspired by God, you, get, you tap into something much deeper. You tap into the very presence and power of God. So I really encourage you to jump in tomorrow. Go to the website, mission119.org. Log in, jump, in, jump into week 37. It's a free program uh, that he has created and provided for anyone, which is really cool. So after being in these readings and preaching from them for the last... 36 weeks. Uh, every week I'm preaching on one of, one of the scriptures or a theme from the scriptures that we've read the, the week before. Uh, today I want to offer a practical sermon about something that King David demonstrates for us really well, and that is inquiring of the Lord. Uh, this is the phrase that's used. It's when David calls out to the Lord and asks, actually asks him questions about what he should do. So I ha- kind of made a cute title, Questioning Faith, but it's, uh, he's questioning God and asking God for Uh, God's wisdom. So uh, this is a topic that's a noticeable trend in David's life. I've noticed it come up time and time again. It's something that he often did very well. So I thought it would be a great thing for us to look at. As far as I could tell, David inquired of the Lord or asked the Lord for direction nine times that are written in 1 and 2 Samuel. Maybe more. I might have missed some of them. But I encourage you, if you you are uh, interested in this idea and the importance of this idea, just go into Google, which is, you know, your Bible commentary for today, and type in inquiring of the Lord and see how many times in, in the Old and New Testament people who inquire of the Lord on a regular basis, who, who ask God for wisdom, for help, for direction, how blessed those people are. And then notice also as you're reading the scriptures how when people stop doing that, things start going south. They really do. Inquiring of the Lord is something David did well. And so we are going to um, we are going to take a look at this. Something I noticed about David is, when you, and you'll see this in today's reading, when he was uh, inquiring of the Lord, when he was in a place where he was inqu- asking the Lord for wisdom, he did it a lot. Like he said, God, should I do this? And God says, yes, do that. And then he gets into that situation and says, okay, now that I'm here, what do I do? Okay, now that I'm here, what do I do? Step by step, he was seeking God's wisdom and direction. And something I noticed as I studied these passages is um, he either did it a lot or not at all. And the same is true of us with our human nature. Because when you inquire of the Lord and ask God for wisdom and help with your life, uh, it's a sign that you are humbling yourself before God and admitting that you don't have all the answers. But when you're in a proud place and you stop asking the Lord and and questioning him and and going before him, um, that's that's when you stop doing that, it's a symbol that you have pride, that you're self-sufficient, that you are taking everything on your own. So it's interesting. When David did it, he did it really well and he did it a lot. And when he didn't do it, 
He didn't do it at all. The same is true of many of us. And God is trying to bring us to a place where we are more connected to him, more dependent on him, and we can really find a greater blessing in our walk with him because we're actually, you know, interacting with him on a daily basis in many different situations. So we're going to look at 1 Samuel 23, 1-14 uh, to start with. And this is, uh, this is a passage that really demonstrates this trend of David looking to God uh, in this way. So when David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kayla and are looting the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, go, attack the Philistines and save Kayla. But David's men said to him, here in Judah we are afraid. How much more then if we go to Kayla against the Philistine forces? So David took that information and he inquired of the Lord again. And the Lord answered him, go down to Kayla, for I am going to give the Philistines into your hand. So David and his men went to Kela, fought the Philistines, and carried off their livestock. He inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Kela. Now Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, had brought the ephod down with him when he fled to David at Kela. Saul was told that David had gone to Kela, and he said, God has delivered him into my hands, for David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with gates and bars. And Saul called up all his forces for battle to go down to Kela to besiege David and his men. When David learned that Saul was plotting against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod. Is that what you say when you're asking a question? When you're seeking God? You know, I don't know what to do in my life. You know, Lord, do you want me to go to college? Do you want me to change my career? Um, is this a relationship that's good for me? Bring the ephod. This is, <laughs> this is a way of inquiring of the Lord that was uh, part, of, part of the high priest's garment had this outer ephod, for lack of a better descriptor. But it's a garment that had some instruments in it with which people uh, prayed and sought the Lord. And then and they looked and God blessed this thing and uh, it helped them to know what to do. So it's kind of like, uh, like casting lots, you know? So it was, but it was, it was done in faith that God was the one who was sovereignly controlling that. So this is a way of him seeking the Lord again. David learned Saul was plotting. This sounds bad, so he says, okay, let's bring in the big guns. Bring the ephod. David said, Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard definitely that Saul plans to come to Kela and destroy the town on account of me. Will the citizens of Kela surrender me to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Lord God of Israel, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will. Again, David asked, will the citizens of Kela surrender me and my men to Saul? And the Lord said, they will. So David and his men, about 600 in number, left Kela and kept moving from place to place. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Kela, he did not go there. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. So this is a part of David's life that we've been looking at in our readings and our sermons where he is being chased by King Saul, who is the king of Israel that God had anointed as, as king, uh, but, uh, but uh, God was, had Saul, through a series of very poor decisions, had lost his privilege of ruling Israel. And so God had chosen a different person to be the true king of Israel, David. And from the time that that happened, Saul became jealous of David and was trying to find him to murder him. And basically, he tried to kill David 
I think, eight or nine times, unsuccessfully. <laughs> and David had lots of opportunities to, uh, to take out Saul and to, to defend himself, and he always turned that down because David would not lay a hand on the man that God had previously anointed as king because David had respect for what God had done there. But this is what's going on in David's life. Uh, around every corner, there is danger lurking. They're hiding in caves. They're going from place to place. And he is in this place in his life where he says, I really need to ask God what to do and how to get, get out of the situation because he just didn't know what was coming. And so he sought the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. And in this one passage, we see him doing it four times. And every time, God delivered him and blessed him. It's a real evidence of, of looking what happens when someone in, in trouble uh, seeks after God. Every step, every move, David brought it before the Lord. And in doing this, he found a blessing. So, as I said, I've also noticed that when David did not follow this pattern of seeking after the Lord um, and, and inquiring of the Lord and relied on his own wit and his own ideas and his own intelligence and his own, uh, I, know, I know what I can do to help myself, even, even his own trickery to try to outwit his enemy, um, that things began to go badly for David. For one instance, we read this past week in 1 Samuel 21, David and his companions were, were in some trouble. They needed some food. They needed some provisions. So they went to uh, the priest, Ahimelech, and told him uh, they, that, they were on, that he and his men were on a secret mission from King Saul, and they couldn't talk about the details. It's deep cover stuff. So they're like, Ahimelech, we're on a secret mission from King Saul. You know, we need some food and provisions. Please feed us, clothe us, take care of us. And him looks like, oh, yeah, go. That's fine. Here's, here's the bread of the presence. Go ahead, have that. And so he, they were eating the elements of, uh, fr from the temple uh, for food. And this was a way that David was trying to protect his own life and protect his men's life. It wasn't something he asked God what he should do about. And what happened was Saul heard about it, and he murdered Ahimelech and all of the people in the temple including the high priest. So David started looking to his own ideas, trying to deceive, trying to outwit, trying to do something smart. Like, oh, I, I got him. You know, I, I, we got our men fed and we escaped Saul. But Saul killed all those people. And that's on Saul. That's Saul's sin. But I have a feeling that if David had asked God for provision, had asked God what he should do directly, that God would have given him a different route that didn't involve all these people uh, being killed, these innocent people. And uh, that, that event was, was right before David went into the cave. That's what we looked at last week. Uh, but that's an example where David didn't seek the Lord, and he ended up causing trouble. I don't know if you've ever, as a Christian, had an emotion or had a thought that, that was in your mind or a temptation or, or an even an opportunity, and you just didn't know what to do, and you just thought, this is a good idea, and, and went into it. And then you're like, maybe this wasn't God after a while. You're like, this is bad. This is causing trouble. It seemed like such a good idea. Um, this is a hallmark of true blue people that follow God, people that really follow God, is they inquire of the Lord. They actually connect with him and ask him for input on their lives. And that's something that God wants to give. God actually says in, in the scriptures, if anyone lacks wisdom, they should ask me. Because if people really want my wisdom, I will give it to them, one way or another. 
So that is something that is a hallmark of everyone that's truly following God. They actually ask God for wisdom in their lives and, and bring situations before God and don't think of themselves as being the final authority. Now, God's given us all many gifts and talents, uh, varying levels of, of intelligence and wisdom and, and know-how, but honestly, God knows some things that you don't know. Just a little bit more. <laughs> I love um, Rob Reimer. He says, Theology 101, God is smart, and he knows things that you don't know. And sometimes he will tell you if you ask him. That's a pretty good phrase. But, I mean, just think about your own life in this past week. Did you inquire of the Lord for anything? Now we're going to bring the microphone out like Corey said. No. <laughs> but, like, it's kind of weird to do an inventory on your own life and be like, I'm a Christian. You know, I even maybe I even read my Bible this week. But did I even did I talk to God about any aspect of my life? I don't know the answer is. But I know that we don't do it enough. Because I know that the blessed life is one who comes to God with everything. He doesn't just say, God, um, what job should I get? God reveals it. But then they say, okay, so how, how do you want me to be in this job? What, what would you like me to do? You know, asking God for that input, asking God for that wisdom. I'm not talking about which socks to choose in the morning, you know? I'm not talking about anything silly. But I'm saying um, wisdom. God wants to give it. God's got it. He's got more knowledge than we do. So this is this example uh, of David with uh, with the uh, lying to Ahimelech and getting all those people killed accidentally is just one example of what can happen when people forget to inquire of the Lord. And again, it's either like we read in uh, 1 Samuel 23, where you do it a lot, or you just kind of don't do it at all. Because inquiring of the Lord is evidence of a humble, teachable spirit. And when you are proud, you don't ask for anything from God. Um, when you are secure in yourself, self-sufficient, um, that's, that's, a, that's good evidence of pride in your life. Uh, that I don't really need God. Unfortunately, a lot of times it, ha it has to end up being us being under the gun before we get to that place where we start inquiring of the Lord. It's like, haven't talked to you in a long time, but cancer, God, I'm inquiring of you. What, what are you trying to teach me in my life? It's like a loud, you know, horrible event that's going on. And you haven't developed a relationship with God where you've been regularly talking to him. And so it's, those times are, the crisis times are so much harder because we haven't been connected to the Lord in a meaningful way. So I think, I think of like inquiring of the Lord, connecting with God, asking for wisdom as being a pride detector in many ways. If we're, if we're proud... We, we don't seek God. Um, and people that are... Um, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, right? <laughs> because, uh, you know, if there is a God, he's, not in, he's disinterested uh, in my life and any of the things around me. That's a, that's a sad state and certainly against everything the Bible teaches about God and everything that I've seen of God in my own life. So I think of this as a pride detector that, you know, we're either asking him a lot or not at all. Look at your life. Take an inventory. Think about it. On the other side of this topic, uh, failing to inquire of the Lord and seeking him in prayer is also cited as King Saul's big downfall. In fact, uh, it was one of the reasons that Saul lost his privilege of being the king. It says in 1 Chronicles 10, 13, and 14, 
Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. Now this is a guy who not only wasn't uh, really seeking from the Lord, but he was actually going to other places besides the Lord, which is, you know, that's not so good. Um, I think that this, this idea of inquiring of the Lord, meaningfully being connected to God, and seeking him in your life every day is just a hallmark of everyone who's really following God. And um, honestly, David was probably looking at his life and what he, what he did. He was probably more intelligent, more wise, more cunning, more, more resourceful than most of us. Very intelligent dude. But he took all that and said, I don't have all the knowledge. I need, I need God. I need to inquire of the Lord. It says in Hebrews 11.6, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, faith is born of a humble spirit that seeks after God. And to that person, God reveals himself and he rewards them. We don't tell God how he rewards us. Uh, you know, we certainly are not, you know, saying, oh, this is going to happen, I'm going to get this money or this car or this relationship or I'm going to have all my, my, my depression go away and my, all this stuff. God decides how he rewards people. He's the Lord. But uh, fundamentally, as a Christian, as a follower of God, you have to baseline believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, that he's good, that he wants to hear about your life. You know, the Bible talks about not even a sparrow falls from the sky without God knowing about it. You know? It also says he numbered the hairs on your head. Some of you, the number's dropping. But he sees that. This is the thing. You know, people, people say, you know, if, if there is a God, he's got far more important things to worry about than my life. You know. World hunger, world peace, whatever it is. But the, the thing is, because he's God, he is able to focus intently on the number of hairs on your head, while at the same time focusing intently on a hurricane or something, right? <laughs> or keeping the planets from bumping into each other and exploding. Like he does all of that at the same time. He's a multitasker. <laughs> He's an omnitasker. <laughs> you know, don't think that you are too small to be seen by God. That's a, that'd be a tragic thing to come to. You know, God, 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 knows and cares and sees and does, and he holds everything together by his powerful word, the Bible says. And it also says, in him we live and move and have our being. Right? That's the macro level and the micro level. The future and the past. All in God's hand. No surprises for God. I love, I love uh, the quote, you know, God is not in heaven in his throne room wringing his hands, hoping that things turn out well, you know? <laughs> He knows. He's, he sees us as individuals. He sees the hairs in our heads, the birds in the air. He keeps the present, the future, everything um, humming and moving along. Even in a compromised, um, sin-filled world where there's injustice and bad things happening, God is going to bring justice in this world. And it's going to roll 
It's going to justice will roll. God will take care of it. He's taking everything into account. So faith is that humble spirit that believes that God's, God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And of course, I shared in James, if anyone lacks wisdom, they should ask God. He gives generously. This is a, this is a better picture of God than what you have in your consciousness right now. I'm convinced. This is the truth of the word of God. So there's a variety of ways um, that people seek and hear from God. You know, today's sermon is about simply taking an inventory and saying, am I seeking him? Am I inquiring of him about things? There's lots of ways that people seek after God and hear from God in a variety of different ways. The point is that you're, that you're putting yourself out there with God and, and, and inquiring of him for your life. People talk about uh, seeking him and then feeling the leading of the Holy Spirit. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit within them. People talk about the feeling prompted. I just felt prompted uh, to do this. Um, people, people hear and react to God in a variety of different ways. There's probably more ways that God talks to us than we'll ever know. But are we talking to him is what this sermon's about. If you believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, you know he's going to speak to you. One way this way, one way that way. He's going to guide you. Um, we don't give up. We don't lose heart just because he doesn't answer the first time in the way that we thought he would. We keep our hearts open. We keep our minds open. And we just have this posture of, yeah, he's going to speak. How's it going to come to me this time? Is it going to be when I'm reading the word? You know, he's going to speak to me through the Bible. Is it going to be through a pivotal conversation with somebody where God really just speaks to me and guides me? Is it going to be a prompting that I feel? Um, he, he speaks in a variety of ways and guides in a variety of ways. But the point is, are you talking to him? Are you, are you seeking him? So, uh, in, in, this, uh, in this vein, I have a few cautions in regard to um, seeking the Lord. Um, this story of Saul from Samuel 28 when he came to the medium um, is very instructive. 28.3 says, Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Samuel being the, the uh, priest prophet that was, that was working in the temple during Saul's reign. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. That's just what it sounds like. Now, the Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium so I can go and inquire of her. This is a classic example of someone that's not really seeking after God. This is someone who's motivated by fear and terror. And so he prays to God. God doesn't answer him immediately and in the way that he wanted him to. So he's like, okay, plan B. Find a medium. <laughs> and this woman... Um, actually um, did some stuff and, and, and ended up being a very interesting scene. That's a, that's a cliffhanger. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with that one to bring home and read that story, okay? That's a pretty interesting story. And that day in Mission 119 was really interesting. But uh, not only was he not really seeking God, 
he actually went to a medium, a spiritist, to get information for his life. And I wouldn't mention this unless it was actually a real problem, but lots of people go to mediums, spiritists, read tarot cards. This is so common. If we were to raise hands in this church building, there would be tons of hands. Yeah, it's really common. Um, even like Christian folks too. You know, they, they pray, they don't really hear anything, and they're like, I don't know, I, I want to I talk to somebody. And they'll do it. And there's plenty of opportunities in Saratoga to do this. But it says in Leviticus, do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. There's something about tapping into a spiritual realm where there's darkness, evil spirits and stuff. You can open yourself up to, to bad stuff. This is something we need to repent of if, we're, if we have done this. Say, God, you know, this is not good. Ask for God to restore us and just stay away from it. It's dangerous. Uh, dangerous stuff. And I've, I've known people that have had to be delivered from oppression that was related to that kind of thing. Um, spiritually. So, you know, Saul's big mistake was, it says he inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. Apparently those were the three things he was looking to, to hear from God in. He didn't wait on the Lord. He let his fear and his terror about his life get the better of him. He went to a medium, and it was not a good experience. Cliffhanger. Um, terror, when terror and fear fills our hearts, you know, we, do, we can do some regrettable stuff, and certainly um, that, that, that is one of them. Um, stay away from that stuff. As your pastor, I'm telling you. Because otherwise, we're going to have to pray for you and help you get free from some bad stuff. It's dangerous, you know? Um, so that's the, the number one caution. Actually make sure you're really inquiring of the Lord, which means you, you, you ask him, you lay it before him, then you wait on the Lord. It says in, uh, in Psalm 27, 14, uh, wait on the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait on the Lord. It says it twice. <laughs> Interesting, in one sentence. The idea is someone who's actually inquiring of God is also willing to wait and willing to be open to however God guides them. Um, they're waiting, and they wait till God speaks to move. Saul wasn't really seeking God, and he ended up paying for it. So, waiting on the Lord. Um, and, 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 and the third caution I'd give you in far, as far as this idea of, of inquiring on the Lord is don't ask God and then automatically go to certain people who you think can hear God for you and have that be your first person you go to. Do it for yourself. God doesn't have a relationship with you through Nathan Detweiler or Mike Supernot or Kathy Duffy. He has a relationship with you through Jesus Christ the great high priest who has made a way for us to connect directly into him and to hear his voice. So if you have a mediator between God and man who is a person, either in this church or watching preachers on cable television, <laughs> oh, what's God saying to me? Put on, you know, CBN or something, you know? What's Joseph Prince got to say to me today, you know? Who are these television preachers? Like, don't, don't go to those guys as your primary source. Your primary source is the Lord Jesus himself. And God's made a way for you to connect directly to him and hear from him. So if you are really seeking God, you will wait on the Lord. You will not go to dark places to find answers. And you will not look at to a human 
or, or a church or a person uh, to be the, the number one mediator between you and God. God speaks directly to you. God will use Nathan Detweiler or use different people in your life, but fundamentally it's, it's your relationship with Jesus, and you don't need to go to a priest. Um, another another pitfall, pitfall people walk, walk into um, when they are inquiring of the Lord is they will pray, and then when they pray, they're like, I checked that off my list. And then they begin to just go with their best ideas about what they should do and project that onto God and say, this is what God wants me to do. But it really was just your best idea, and the prayer was like a baptism for your idea. You said, you baptize your idea and say, this is God's will. But just because you prayed doesn't mean that your idea will suddenly work. Uh, you have to pray and inquire of the Lord and ask him what he wants you to do. And uh, then wait for him to, to speak to you. Get godly counsel, you know, of course. God speaks in many different ways. And we can benefit from many different people and in reading the scriptures and, and listening um, and, and quieting ourselves. But fundamentally, we wait on the Lord, we ask him, we lay it before him, and we, see, we say, what do you want me to do? And I think the minute we stop doing that, it's a pride detector. You know, we, we're, we're self-sufficient now. And you can be a Christian who is not relying on the Lord uh, very much at all. The worship band is going to play a reprise of I Need You. And this is a prayer of my heart for this, for this sermon that God's really put on my heart. Um, my one defense, my righteousness, my God, how I need you. Teach my song to rise to you. Uh, asking the Holy Spirit to help us to become the kind of people that not only believe that God exists, but that he rewards people who seek him. And you develop this relationship with him where we bring our lives before the Lord in prayer. Let's seek him together.